This is the multivoice text-to-speech podfic reading of Pirates, Parrots, and Pining Oh My by Optimistic Dinosaur, composed by Burning Aurora. 1728. A hidden cove in the middle of the Caribbean Ocean. I don't believe this. Remus Lupin throws his hands in the air, frustrated beyond belief. What are you doing here, Black? Sirius Black, recent captain of their pirate fleet's newest vessel, the Black Dog, grins and wipes a bead of sweat from his chiseled face. Raiding the Navy, as per our lovely Queen's request, same as you. Do I really need to point out that us both raiding the same Navy ship is overkill? Snaps Remus, swinging around and punching a Navy sailor square in the face. The man, who had clearly been hoping to catch the arguing captain's unawares, squeaks and goes down with a painful thud. Not my fault. Sirius raises a pistol and squints up into the white-hot Caribbean sun. After a moment, he cocks his head and fires. The last rope keeping several sailors attached to the mast as they shoot at the pirates below snaps, and the sailors themselves go tumbling down in the sea like coconuts from a palm tree. He winks, clearly expecting his fellow captain to be impressed by the, admittedly excellent, marksmanship. Jamie, delivery for you. Sirius barks over the side, eyes still on Remus. Down below, the Black Dog's quartermaster James Potter is scooping up bedraggled prisoners into a rowboat. He looks up, the sun glinting off his glasses and sending little sparkles of light over the ship like magic pixie dust. Cheers! Now, stop flirting and get on with it, yeah. We are not flirting. Remus begins hotly, and then stops when he realizes Sirius has just shouted the exact same thing. Well it sounds bloody rehearsed if we both say it. He complains and it's Sirius's turn to throw up his hands in exasperation. How did you even find this ship? Pete and I have been carefully tracking Snape's movements for weeks, ever since we found out he was tailing Lily again. Sirius shrugs. Intuition, I suppose. I told James this morning I had a good feeling about heading west. Navy ships looking to sneak past pirate routes often use this cove. Caught sight of their sails a few hours ago, decided to follow them, and here we are. Of course, Remus sighs. He doesn't know why he's even surprised anymore. Ever since Sirius Black joined the fleet, he's had an uncanny ability to turn up at the most inconvenient of times, always when Remus is about to execute the final stages of a careful, meticulously planned heist, raid or treasure search. Even more annoyingly, he never has a plan himself. He just wanders around the ocean, improvising his way to success, and stumbling across them at the perfect moment to help, and split the bounty. Remus wipes his own much less handsome brow with the hem of his shirt. When he raises his head again, it's to find Sirius staring at his exposed midriff, gray eyes unfocused and hazy. My eyes are up here, says Remus dryly, though he has no doubt Sirius is just horrified by the number of scars crisscrossing his torso. The life of a pirate captain is a tough one, especially when you've been doing the job for as long as Remus has. Sirius has only been on the scene for about 18 months, and has barely any scars at all on his irritatingly perfect body. Perhaps he'll be put off by this glimpse of what his future holds if he keeps going, and decides to quit. Well, one can only hope. Sirius's eyes snap back up to his face. Right. He breathes and then blinks, looking like he's coming back to the present. Right. I'll just go interrogate Snape. 
What? Remus glares at him. No, this is my job, and I will be sending the report back to Lily. Thank you very much. I would like to remind you that until my crew got here, you were losing, Lupin. We saved your lives. We were doing fine. We absolutely were not doing fine. Peter pipes up helpfully from where he's just finished tying Captain Severus Snape to the mast. You found us in the nick of time, Sirius. Traitor. Remus's glare turns to the short man before him, who waves it off with a well-practiced shrug. Peter has no fear of him anymore, having been Remus's steady companion since they were both world-weary teenagers and first got recruited to join Pirate Queen Lily Evans's newest fleet in the year 1718. At the time, nobody of any importance had cared about a young slip of a girl and her ragtag crew of pirate captains, each of them with nothing more to their names than the ragged, clothes on their backs and a fierce determination to prove themselves. Now, ten years later, there's a waiting list to join the Dread Queen Evans's fleet. Which is why he has no idea how Sirius managed it, considering his lack of pirating experience, other than the fact that James apparently vouched for him, and is almost definitely sleeping with Lily. Bloody Nepotism Whenever you are done arguing, Snape's irritated drawl brings him back to the present. You might as well give up now, because I shall never betray my country. Remus tears his eyes away from Sirius, and over to the sweating man tied to the mast. Right. Business. He smiles pleasantly. It's the sort of pleasant smile that has made men dive overboard, just to escape. Is that so? Um. Snape looks suitably unnerved. Yes. Oh, well, that's a disappointment. Remus says, sighing. He fingers the pistol at his hip. I was hoping we could do this the easy way. Is that a threat, Lupin? Cute. I can make threats too. I'll see you hang for this, you know. Oh no. Remus assures Snape cheerfully. I don't think you will see me hanged at all. He slides the pistol from its holster and taps it against his leg. This he knows how to do. Getting information from bastards like Severus Snape is an art form he's had years to perfect. I think we should have a little chat, and then if you tell me what I want to know, you may get to see another sunrise, but that depends on how charitable I'm feeling. Snape has gone pale, but he sticks his nose in the air regardless. You'll never make me talk, pirate scum. Never. Your days are numbered. Oh for fuck's sake. Sirius suddenly growls and strides forward to grab Snape by the lapels, ignoring Remus's very reasonable protests. I've got this covered. Black, what are you doing? Get back here. Stop threatening Lupin. You're not laying a finger on him. Do you hear me? You're going to tell us right now why the Navy has you trying to find Evans's hideout, and then I'm going to feed you to the bloody sharks. Don't you mean or I'm going to feed you to the bloody sharks? If you're going to do it regardless, what incentive are you giving me to talk, you complete fool? Remus face palms. Sirius glances over his shoulder a little sheepishly, sees this, and scowls. Like you were doing so much better, Lupin. I was, actually, thank you, Black. Yes, I can tell by all the nothing you got out of the git. Oi! Peter shouts, and both pirates look up in time to see Snape has managed to snag Sirius's dagger from his waist and cut himself free. He runs to the side of the ship and does a surprisingly graceful swan dive into the water, making for the shore. Now look at what you've done. By God, Black, you've ruined everything. Remus groans. Sirius looks surprisingly hurt for a moment, 
then rearranges his face into an unaffected, haughty expression. I've no time to waste talking to the likes of you, Lupin. I'm going after the scoundrel. James. I'm coming down, get the rowboat ready. And with that, he and his gorgeous midnight black hair are away with the wind, leaving only an abandoned, slightly on fire navy ship and a thoroughly annoyed Remus Lupin in his wake. There, there. Peter pats his shoulder comfortingly. At least he left us the loot this time, even if you both botched the interrogation with all your flirting. Remus closes his eyes. Bloody Sirius Black. Dear Sirius, would you like to know where I have just been? I have been in a meeting with one Captain Severus Snape of the Royal Navy, who has reported to me that a man who looks very much like myself accosted him and his crew off the coast of Tortuga. This pirate apparently chased him almost all the way into town, and he escaped by the skin of his teeth. He then proceeded to inform me that this pirate scum went by the name Sirius Black, and wasn't that my brother's name. I proceeded to inform him that my dear brother died by drowning two years ago while nobly serving in this very navy, and how dare he remind me of such a painful event, and then threw him out of my office. May I kindly remind you when we decided to fake your death so that you could escape your duties as heir, there were three stipulations for when you are interacting with the navy. They were as follows. Do not go by your real name. Wear a mask over your eyes, I bought you that nice black one for a reason. Do not go by your real name. Be a less conspicuous dead man, for the love of God. Cordially yours. Lord Regulus Black. Rear Admiral, His Majesty's Royal Navy. Irritating, unbelievably posh bastard. Remus slams his fourth mug of ale down on the wooden table, ignoring the way the drink sloshes over the side, dripping onto his sea-tanned hands and down the front of his shirt. Again. Alice Fortescue, the werewolf's navigator sighs and throws a slightly dirty handkerchief at his face. We get it, you hate Sirius Black. She rolls her eyes, pulling her long brown hair into a neat braid. Must every tavern night involve an hour-long monologue on the subject, Lupin? Insubordination, Fortescue. Remus mumbles into his ale. He feels pleasantly floaty and very much in his element here at the Three Broomsticks Tavern. The old, decrepit building has seen its fair share of bullets and blood, but the worn wood beams and cleanish stone floors remain open and welcoming to anyone operating outside the law regardless. It's as close to home as Remus gets, the few days a year he spends ashore. The proprietor, Madame Rosmerda, sets down another round of ales at the table. Her periwinkle dress is somehow still pristine, dark skin smooth and without a bead of sweat and her black curls fall artfully around a beautiful face. She looks like an angel, but Remus knows better than to cross her. Charming and sharp-witted, she manages Lily Evans's spy network with one hand, and runs the most successful business on Tortuga with the other. She takes one look at Remus, whose face is flushed with drink, glaring down into his mug as if it has personally wronged him, and gives him up for a bad job, turning instead to Alice. Interesting news off the ports today, she says in French, leaning in close. Alice raises an eyebrow, smoothly switching languages herself as she asks for more details. I hear the Bow Batten's fleet has been burying their treasure a few islands south of here, after the warehouse got raided by the Navy bastards last month. Ooh, you don't say. Alice's warm brown eyes light up. Did they happen to mention coordinates? Ros Murda gives her a what-do-you-take-me-for-look 
and reaches into her pocket for a thin scrap of parchment. Voila, May's army. Alice kicks Remus excitedly. The very treasure, Captain. That would be fun, wouldn't it? Bet Black will get there first. Remus slurs. Handsome ass, ass. Alice stares up at the ceiling, clearly praying for patience. Sorry, she says to Rosmerda. Remus is working through some feelings at the moment. No need to apologize. Rosmerda's amused gaze takes in the pitiful sight before her. I saw a very similar thing in here just a few days ago, in fact. A beautiful young man bemoaning his fate to always run into Remus Lupin, who is apparently, and I quote, so irritating but so hot that he does not know if he wishes to punch or lick the smirk off his face. Alice cackles loudly. Remus put his forehead on the table, room spinning. Hem, who was that? He tries to contribute to the conversation. Rosmerda pats his head patronizingly. Never you mind, young Lupin. Perhaps one day our mystery man will work up the courage to get his handsome ass over here and tell you to your face, hum. Remus blinks bleary amber eyes at Rosmerda. Secrets, he mumbles. Fine, keep your scrays. Tarots, secrets. Rosmerda rises gracefully. Tell Lily I want the usual 10% map fee for that if you find anything. She pauses and then looks directly into Alice's big eyes. Also, I'm done at midnight. My key is in the usual place, if you fancy some company tonight. Aye, aye, madam. Alice sighs dreamily as she bustles away. Remus raises his head long enough to smirk. Yes, madam, whatever you say, madam. He mimics and Alice punches him. Ah. At least my dark-haired beauty is open about wanting me. She responds, tucking the map away safely in her bodice. Remus sniffs. His head goes back down onto the table. I don't know what you mean. Dear Sirius. Look, I'm sorry you don't find the name Captain Padfoot to your liking anymore. I don't personally think it's any more or less ridiculous than Captain Sirius, but if you're that embarrassed by it, though may I ask who exactly you are trying to impress. I have never known you to particularly care what the Navy thinks of you, and it was James that came up with it in the first place, feel free to come up with a different one. Seriously, and no, don't say it, I can see your smirk from here, use any name but Sirius. Also, kindly deliver your next letter more discreetly. It was very difficult to explain to mother why there was a giant tropical parrot with a note pecking at the dining room windows last night. She now thinks I've picked up training homing pigeons, or parrots, as the case may be, as a hobby. I've had to go out and buy another parrot to keep the ruse up, and your parrot and my parrot don't seem to be getting on. Or they're getting on too well. I'm not actually familiar with the mating rituals of parrots. Pretty sure most brothers get less irritating once they are dead, not more. Trust you to be the exception. Cordially yours. Regulus Black. No. Be reasonable, Remus. No. Remus jabs an angry finger into Sirius's chest. How did you get here before us? We had the map. We had the only coordinates. Rizmurta entrusted the information to us. Sure. Alice whispers to the black dog's navigator, Frank Longbottom. Us, he says, like he wasn't three sheets to the wind at the time. Frank snorts loudly before clapping a hand over his mouth. Sorry, sorry, I shouldn't be laughing at your captain. No, no, do feel free. Alice smiles broadly when she meets Frank's eyes. The man's pleasantly round face goes red. I made fun of him first. Frank lowers his hand and grins back. 
so no more ridiculous than Captain Black. You know he wants us to call him Captain Midnight now in front of the Navy. Sorry, Captain Midnight. Yeah, he needs a pseudonym so the Navy don't catch on that he's a deserter. And I guess he thought it'd be cool or summit, I don't know. Alice reaches out and squeezes Frank's hand. Bless you, Longbottom, she says fervently. This is the best thing I've heard all week. Frank gives her an adorable smile, and Alice glances over thoughtfully at the escalating argument. You know, she murmurs, they'll probably be at this for a while. How would you care for a tour of the werewolf? A tour? Frank looks confused. Isn't it pretty similar to the black dog? Aye, Alice says patiently. But you've never seen my bunk before. Frank scratches his head. I imagine it looks a lot like my bunk, though. I think Evans had them commissioned by the same shipmaker, and... Alice sighs and carefully takes Frank's broad shoulders by both hands. The things she'll do for a person with an adorable smile, honestly. Your bunk doesn't have a naked Alice Fortescue in it, though. She spells out. Mine will. A naked, oh. Frank's face goes even redder. Oh, right. Absolutely. Eh, a tour sounds great. Hand in hand, they slip away to one of the three rowboats grounded on the beach, awaiting the hidden treasure, and make for the ship. Sirius, meanwhile, is engaging in a tug-of-war with Remus over the shovel. Let. Go. He grits out. Get your own bloody shovel, Lupin. Not a chance. You don't even know where to dig. You're going to, to, ruin the turtle nesting ground environment. There's a short pause while they both consider this point. Sirius clears his throat. Ah, what turtles? This beach is totally empty. Remus struggles not to fold his arms and stamp his foot. He is an adult. He is. There could be turtles, he mutters, ears going red. Hypothetically. Right. Sirius's mouth is twitching now. God, his lips are pretty. They look like they'd be soft too, and they're not even chapped from days at sea. Remus hates him so much. Like, magical invisible turtles. Or. That's not the point. You shouldn't be ruining their territory in the first place. Their hypothetical territory. Yes. Remus continues to dig himself stubbornly into this hypothetical hole. Exactly. Sirius rolls his eyes and yanks the shovel out of Remus's hands. Then I will fill in the holes once I have found the real treasure, to make sure the hypothetical turtles don't. Fall in. All right. Yes. No. Not all right. This is my treasure. Technically. James Potter pushes his glasses up the bridge of his nose. It's Bo Batten's treasure. We're liberating it from them. The two captains completely ignore him. Eventually Peter sidles up to James with a weary sigh. Potter. Pettigrew. How's the queen? Oh, you know, perfect as always. James's brown cheeks darken at the mention of Lily, before he clears his throat. She's annoyed that Snape got away, though. The bastard's come too close to finding her base of operations lately. He's totally obsessed. I. Peter scratches at his blonde stubbled chin with his hook. We keep trying to catch him at it and figure out why, but, well. He gestures in the direction of Remus and Sirius. Bit of a distraction, that. James snorts. That's putting it mildly. Listen. Peter leans in closer, lowering his voice. I may have an idea. Hear me out. 
Hang on, where are the ships? Sirius says suddenly, after he and Remus have finally finished determining that the hypothetical turtles will be hypothetically safe if they start from the top of the beach and work their way down, filling in the holes as they go. Remus's amber eyes widen as he takes in the empty horizon. Surely not. He snatches his tricorn hat from his head and runs a stressed hand through silver shot curls, running forward as if the ships might appear if he just gets closer to the water. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. Oh, James absolutely would, that bastard. Sirius says grimly, coming to join him. Look, he's left a note in the last rowboat, in place of the oars. Give me that. Remus snatches it, scanning through the parchment with increasing amounts of shame and panic. Dear Captain Lupin and Captain Midnight. Sirius makes a high-pitched noise and snatches the letter back, blushing furiously. Give me that. Remus stares at him, mouth twitching. Sorry, Captain. Midnight. Sirius folds his arms, looking very much like someone attempting to look unbothered. I needed a pseudonym to protect my identity. It's a perfectly good name. Piratey. Remus tries not to laugh, reluctant to let go of his righteous anger. He fails dismally. Yes, yes, all right. Sirius grumbles. I'm going to read the rest of the letter out loud now, thank you. Dear Captain Lupin and, um, whatever. You may have noticed the rowboats and the ships are gone. That is because they have rotted away in the endless passing of time and dissolved into the sea while waiting for your argument to end. Ha ha ha. But seriously, we will be back tomorrow morning. Please be on beach with buried treasure and please do not murder each other in the meantime. Yours sincerely. James and Peter. They've left us here all night. Remus yelps, laughter dying in his throat. Those bastards. Absolute pricks. Agrees Sirius, glaring off into the horizon as if he could bring back their ships through sheer force of will. We should find the treasure and not share it with them at all. Just run away and split it 50-50. Unbidden, the image of running away was Sirius black to a far-off, romantic island where they can live out their days as kings pops up. It isn't, entirely unpleasant. He is, Remus concedes, extremely easy on the eyes, after all. Those lips. Those dratted lips. Yeah. He hastily agrees once the silence stretches long enough to officially pass the point of socially acceptable. Running away, we could buy a castle. Are there many castles in this part of the world? Sirius asks, grinning. It's a nicer grin than his usual sardonic smirk, inviting Remus to join in on the joke instead of being the butt of it. Well, we might have to travel a bit to find one. I hear Greece is nice. Lots of, um, see. Remus isn't sure when he stopped having two brain cells to rub together, but it's probably the heat's fault. That and the stress of being marooned on a tropical island. With Sirius Black. Alone. Just the two of them. Him and his lips. Oh God. What is wrong with him? Lots of sea and a castle in Greece sounds ideal. Sirius rescues him with an uncharacteristic amount of sensitivity. Suppose that'll be enough space for the two of us to not kill each other on a daily basis, anyways. He nudges Remus in a friendly, definitely joking way. Ha, yeah. Remus's laugh is too loud in his own ears. Pull it together, Lupin. He clears his throat. Anyways, shall we start looking for our castle money? Right. Sirius lifts up the shovel. After you, 
Captain Lupin. Thank you, Captain Midnight. Shut up. It takes several hours of digging every conceivable spot on the beach before they strike gold. Literally. Normally Remus would have been tired and cranky at this point. Tan hands blistered and back aching from the hard labor under the setting tropical sun. This time, however, it's almost an unwelcome surprise when the metal edge of the shovel hits wood with a dull thunk. He and Sirius had spent the whole time, chatting. Actually talking. They talked about how Remus was recruited by Lily, and how Sirius had faked his own death to run away from the black estate and pressures of being lord and heir. Sirius had even read his brother Regulus's latest letter out loud, much to both of their amusement. For all his frustration and ranting about the man, Remus has never actually spent much time with him outside of arguments whenever they turn up for the same job. And to his growing dismay, it looks like Sirius Black is actually lovely. Oh, he's a right bastard, make no mistake. He's still arrogant and sardonic and incredibly smart, and knows it, making Remus feel inadequate about his own lack of schooling at almost every turn. But he's also oddly sweet, offering Remus first turn in the shade of the closest grove of trees to nap, and first pick of the rations that James and Peter have left them. His real laugh is loud and free, a bark of a thing that Remus rather likes making happen. He's not afraid of hard work, and he gets so enthusiastic when describing improvements he wants to make to his ship that he loses the shovel, flinging it accidentally over his head as he gestures wildly. He's also, as previously mentioned, incredibly easy on the eyes, and it's frankly becoming a problem. Remus has to keep reminding himself to look at his face instead of his lean, muscled torso and excellent arse, especially once his shirt gets sweaty enough to cling to him in all the right places. We found it. Take that, Potter. Sirius cheers now, tugging the chest up to surface level. Remus jumps gamely into the giant hole and helps, pushing the heavy treasure up onto the sand. Excellent work, Black. He holds out his hand to shake, and Sirius rolls his eyes. Get over here, you ridiculous man. He pulls Remus into a tight hug, still beaming over their success. Remus immediately melts, hugging him back. Oh God. So the muscles really are as firm as they look. This is fine. This is totally fine. Remus is a professional. Or what passes for professional for pirates, anyways. He can be friendly. You know. Professionally. You were a genius with your map interpreting too. Sirius leans back a bit to cup Remus's face in two large palms. His face is so close, gray eyes sparkling with excitement. They soften a little as they meet Remus's. His smile goes a bit gentler. Did you know you're sort of brilliant, Remus Lupin? Remus kisses him. You know. Professionally. Sirius freezes for just long enough for Remus to realize this may have been a terrible idea, and then, and then, just as Remus is about to pull away and jump out of this very real and not at all hypothetical hole and drown himself in the sea, he makes an odd noise, a mix between a moan and a growl, and begins kissing back. And oh, is there anything he's not naturally good at? Sirius's hands tug him close, and Remus finally gets to stick his fingers through silky black hair, tugging at it gently until he gets that odd, and by odd, let's be clear, he means ridiculously sexy, moan growl noise again. 
Sirius's teeth gently nip at his lip, and then they're pressed up against each other, and stumbling against the walls of the hole and Sirius's hands are drifting down down down, hovering right at Remus's waist and then lower and yes, yes, this was a brilliant idea. Absolutely first-rate. Sirius was right. Remus is a genius. And then right as Sirius's clever fingers have slipped into the band of his trousers and wrapped around him. Remus. Flings his head back with a gasp, hitting his head against the wall of the hole. And the wall collapses, burying them both in the sand. Well. Shit. By the time they dig themselves out of the sand, the sun has disappeared over the horizon leaving the night air surprisingly chilly. Ugh, I still have sand everywhere, grumbles Sirius, itching uncomfortably. Places that are frankly indecent for sand to be. Remus would like to explore these frankly indecent places, except the sand has also got everywhere on him too, and he has never felt less sexy in his entire life. Sorry, again. Sirius pauses from where he's scratching his scalp frantically. I mean, let's be clear here, Lupin. I am thrilled I got you riled up enough that you literally destroyed my hole. Oh, stop snickering. What are you? Twelve. But he's giggling too, and that makes Remus giggle more, and then they're both sitting helplessly on the beach, leaning against each other and laughing hysterically. Why have we wasted so much time not liking each other? Sirius asks finally when they have regained their dignity, such as they can, still scratching and covered in sand, and decided to strip and jump in the sea to wash. Remus blushes a bit, floating in the shallow water by the light of the full moon. I just, you swanned in and were so bloody good at everything right away, and you kept turning up at all my jobs, he says finally. I couldn't help but resent all your success. Not to mention you obviously came from a posh background, whereas. He trails off. Whereas. Sirius prompts gently. The Lupins aren't exactly rich, Remus admits finally. And I was a very sickly child. I, I had. He takes a deep breath. This never gets any easier. Most people thought I was possessed. I had, well, not exactly fits. It's more like, occasionally, my brain just, turns off. I stare off into nothing, and my eyelids flutter and I sometimes make little movements, and then afterwards I can never remember what happened. He looks down at his feet. No doctor could really explain it, and it unnerved enough folks in our village that I left as soon as I could. I didn't want to bring more misfortune to my parents, you know. So I ran away. He looks a little desperately at Sirius. I'm not possessed, I swear. Pete's good at making sure I'm alright, if it, you know, happens now. Which isn't often. I know that. Sirius bobs closer and nudges his shoulder. I don't know how anyone who meets you could not know you're holy yourself. No possession required. What does that mean? Remus starts to smile, relieved that Sirius doesn't seem to care but feeling like he might need to be insulted all the same. Unfiltered, pure Remus Lupin, always. Sirius wraps an arm around his shoulders. You couldn't be anyone but yourself. Any and all resemblances to unholy terrors are purely a coincidence. Oi! Remus laughs and pushes Sirius down into the sea. They grapple for a bit, more out of joy of touching than any real desire to win, until finally Remus wraps his long legs around Sirius's waist in an effort to dunk him again. Their hips are flush against each other, and suddenly the game takes on a different tenor. Remus, whispers Sirius, wrapping his arms around Remus's waist. Remus takes a deep breath 
and deliberately moves his hips gently. The mongrel comes back into play, which is delightful, so he does it again. And again. And again. He does it until they're both panting into each other's mouths, hard and gasping and so, so close that they might as well be one, there in the warm embrace of the midnight sea, moon-drenched and salt-sweet. Sirius shudders, tipping his forehead onto Remus's elevated collarbone as he comes, his own chest heaving. He resolutely wraps a hand around Remus as soon as he's done, pulling insistently until Remus has no choice but to follow him. And then Remus is floating, warm and content in the arms of Captain Sirius Black, and even though they've been marooned on this deserted island, even though they'll have to split the treasure between their crews 50-50 despite Remus's weeks of planning and navigation, he wouldn't change a thing. Dear Sirius, I am not sure how you interpreted, be more discreet in your choice of mail delivery, as, Regulus clearly wants another parrot, except even bigger this time, unless this is your idea of a joke, in which case, it is not funny. Also the new arrival is disturbing Henrietta and Wilbur, and Henrietta just laid her first egg. They don't need this new disruption while they're preparing to be parents. Yes, I named the other parrots. Shut up. I did want to warn you that I have been hearing that Captain Severus Snape is on the hunt again for your queen. Apparently they knew each other as children. I believe he thinks he can save her from her unsavory lifestyle, frankly, though he claims he just wants to rid the seas of her scourge. Anyways, you ought to pass that warning on, I suppose. At any rate, I am pleased to hear you have been successful in your recent treasure hunting endeavors, but can assure you that all the treasure in the world could not induce me to join you in that godforsaken lifestyle. I am far too clean a man to wish to join a pirate ship, no offense. Also, who would look after the parrots if I left? Mother would as soon have them roasted and eaten as look at them. Yours sincerely. Regulus Black. I'm not going to keep hiding. Lily Evans slams her fist down on the table, rattling the cutlery with a decisive clatter. If Severus wants a fight, by God, I'll give him one. Now, now. Madame Rosmerta pats her shoulder. You know I am not opposed to bloodshed, Marine, but we must be smart about this. He will have the might of the navy behind him, after all. And do I not have the might of ten ships of my own fleet behind me? Evans folds her arms defiantly. Why not go to war? Because it is not a war you can win, Lils. Sirius breaks in wearily. They've been at this for hours, and Remus can see he's exhausted. As the bearer of the bad news and recent Navy deserter, Sirius has been interrogated for hours as to every possible strategy Snape might take, and he looks about three more sentences away from falling over. What are ten ships against the might of the entire Navy? And if we attack outright, it will be the entire Navy. I agree with Sirius. Remus says firmly. I want Snape gone as much as anyone, but we have to be subtle. Maybe, draw him out. Get him and his crew away from the regular routes with sightings of Lily. Trap him. Yes. Sirius grins across the table, and Remus's heart does a funny little leap. There's that brilliance, Lupin. Someone is finally making sense. Lily scowls. That's awfully close to insubordinate, Black. Sorry, my queen. Sirius concedes with a weary shrug. I just want to keep you alive, all right? I know. Lily softens and pats him on the shoulder. And? She turns to Remus. It's a good plan. I'll be bait if I have to be. Let me be clear though, everyone. She rises with the strength and grace of a red-haired hurricane. 
If we do capture Snape, it will be alive. He is mine to dispatch, are we clear? Aye, Queen. Remus is grinning as he bends his head over the table, sketching out the plan of attack with Sirius, Lily and Rosmerda. Finally, a plan that is going to go right. The plan does not go right. This is most blatantly obvious when Snape, lured to a small uninhabited archipelago and attacked on three sides, turns out to have brought his own reinforcements in the form of a very well-trained militia on board. The infamous Death Eater militia are known for their ruthlessness, as well as their cult-like belief in the superiority of king and country. Bloody hell, Remus growls, narrowly avoiding death for the eight millionth time. He slides behind the masts and fires again blindly, hoping that he got a shot in. I'm almost out of bullets. Pete, what have you got? I'm out too. Peter reports grimly from where he's crouching. What do we do? Fuck, fuck, fuck. Remus swears, looking around frantically. We might be at the end of the road, my friend. Fuck, I didn't even get to tell Sirius. A vast, mateys. A clear-cut, incongruously posh voice hollers surprisingly close. Feast your eyes and weep before the mighty Captain Midnight. Is that Sirius? Peter whispers, peeking around the mast. Sirius Black, dressed in a black silk mask and a fierce grin, leaps over to their side. The Death Eaters, briefly confused and caught off guard, have stopped firing. Looks like you could use a hand, Lupin. Bullet delivery. God, your timing. Remus grabs his ridiculous pirate friend. Lover. Are they lovers? What are they, exactly? Does Sirius feel the same butterflies when he looks at him? No, focus, Remus. And kisses him hard before grabbing a handful of bullets and reloading his pistol. Sirius is blushing under his mask, but looks very pleased with himself. I think that's the first time you've ever liked my timing. Yeah, well. Remus fires several shots. Several Death Eaters go down. You've grown on me. I knew you two were sleeping together. Peter says triumphantly from behind them, where he is still hiding. James owes me a gold piece. Yeah, like getting us together wasn't all your idea, Remus says dryly. You marooned us on an island, you bastard. And aren't you pleased I did? Peter shoots back equally dryly. No comment. I have a comment, sneers Severus Snape behind them. God, I can't believe it's you two again, and you're too busy flirting again to do your jobs. How pathetic. Clearly Lily's taste has gone downhill. Come say that to my face, Severus. Lily Evans's cool voice calls from the helm. Snape's eyes snap up and widen as he takes her in, in all her glory, red hair braided and green eyes fierce. Lily. He breathes. Ugh, I can't believe Regulus was right. Sirius mutters. He is in love with her. Lily, meanwhile, has leapt down to the deck, cutlass brandished and pointing directly at Snape's neck. He swallows. Lily, it's been a long time. It has. She agrees pleasantly. Why are you hunting me, Severus? In the background, the Death Eaters are still attacking other members of the crew, and the battle rages on. And yet, the air seems very still when Snape reaches for Lily's free hand. I'm here to take you home, he says. Where you belong. Lily snorts. Touch me and you lose the hand, Sev. I'm not going anywhere. Snape pauses. Oh, come on, he pleads. Surely you can't want this life. 
Lily's eyes drift over to where James Potter is wildly brandishing his sword, energizing the crew and getting them to make another run at the Navy. She smiles a small, private smile. It has its benefits. Snape's face darkens. By order of the Navy I have the authority to hang you for piracy, Lily Evans, but I am here to take mercy because I know this isn't who you really are. Let me save you, damn it. Lily cocks her head. Oh Sev, you don't understand. It isn't your mercy that is needed. It's mine. She indicates behind them, where James is finishing cutting a swath through the rest of the Navy crew and is tying them up. Looks like you've lost, my old friend. Snape goes, if possible, even paler than he already is. Lily smiles pleasantly. If Remus's pleasant smile makes men want to dive overboard, Lily's makes men want to dissolve into atoms on the spot. So, she says softly, let's talk about second chances. Remus gently tugs at Sirius, indicating that this is a conversation Lily likely needs to have on her own. Sirius goes willingly, slipping his hand into Remus's as they stroll down the length of the battered werewolf. That went rather well, he remarks as they finally reach the captain's quarters. Remus snorts. Aside from the fact that my initial plan didn't work again, and you had to come to our aid. Again. Sirius grins and pours himself some rum. Well, maybe you should just start factoring me into your plans, Lupin. It's a joke. Remus knows it's a joke, and yet. Would you want that? He asks, wincing at his own sincerity. Sirius pauses, lowering his glass. I. He looks uncharacteristically uncertain. Would you want me to want that? Remus shoots him an exasperated glare, and he grins. Ah, there it is. The day is won, and Remus Lupin looks like he wants to murder me. All's right with the world. You are impossible, Remus informs him. Stalking closer. Sirius shrugs and meets him in the middle. I'm starting to think you like it. Lies and slander. Remus murmurs against his lips. Mm. Sirius hums and leans more into the kiss. The answer is yes, by the way. He whispers when they finally break apart. I'd very much like to factor into your plans, Remus Lupin. That's good. Remus tugs him towards his bunk. Because I have a plan brewing at the moment and it definitely involves you. And some oil. And less clothing. Strip. Sirius laughs and tugs his shirt over his head. Bossy. Remus winks as he stretches out in what he hopes is a seductive manner on his bunk. I'm starting to think you like it. Now get over here and shag me, Captain Midnight. Oh, fuck you. Dear Sirius. Congratulations. I hear you're doing some sort of commitment ceremony thing that pirates apparently do. This Lupin fellow sounds like a very patient man. I would, of course, attend, except it would be hard to explain to my superiors that I needed the time off to attend my dead brother's pirate commitment ceremony. Regardless, I wish you well. Yours sincerely. Regulus Black. P.S. I cannot believe I'm saying this, but please send another parrot. Francesca is clearly lonely, being the only single parrot outside of the family unit of Wilbur, Henrietta and baby George. She needs a companion. P. P.S. I cannot believe you actually got me into parrot keeping, you utter bastard. Finite. Thanks for listening to this text to speech podfic composed by Burning Aurora.